This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. All right, Brian Gianta, what episode is it? Got no clue, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, is it 30 yet? Are we in the 30s? It's absolutely number 30. Nailed it. Nailed it. Man, listen, and and it's going to be one of the best ones because I love Brian Gianta. Always have. And I miss ribs. I love ribs, but it's going to be great to have BG on, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. So, So, hey, here's my morning coffee to you, BG. Welcome. I'm going to have a blast for you. I appreciate it, bud. Um, Love you too. Ribs is having some knee surgery today. Is that a HIPAA uh, violation? <laughs> <laughs> might be uh, a HIPAA violation. Yeah, but you know, he's he's in there for COVID, but he's getting a knee. knee, knee. <laughs> <laughs> all he oh, wanted, man. all he wanted, was a COVID test. Eh? Yeah, yeah, he ends up having his knee scope. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, by the way, before we start, before we start, I wear this hat every week and I never plug my boy TJ Oshie's War Road. I love TJ Oshie with all my heart and um, his his stuff is great. His uh, apparel line is awesome. So anybody out there support TJ Oshie and War Road. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, he's he's shameless uh, plug. he no, that's that's not a shameless plug at all. But he uh, talk about a guy who's really made a name for himself in the game. eh? like, I mean, yeah. where did he take off? Was it after he left St. Louis or did he start to, did he start he to off at the Olympics? Yeah. The Olympics. I was right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. BG, you were there too. And right. Were you on yeah. The- it was, a, it was yeah. like, he took off there for, sh- I mean, he was big before, but that brought him to a whole new atmosphere. Yeah. Like it just, uh, you're on that stage and to do what he did just, unreal like it's it's insane i so i think he took off to a new new era then for sure yeah, he had and, a and, quote. and he kept and he kept it up too it wasn't yeah. just then i mean he he kept up his his prowess at his penalty shooting at his uh i think at his creativity and and you know we talk and we talk about this with a lot of players there are some players that have an uncanny ability to do things when they don't have the most talent right you look at guys like Luke Robitaille, probably one of the worst skaters in the history of the game, but one of the best goal scorers, scored like 700 goals. But he was not the great, fluent, fast skater. Brilliant mind, smart. Yeah. Steve, Steve Larmer, not a fast, beautiful skater, not elegant, um, super, super smart, 400 and something goals. TJ Oshie is... is you know, I, he's not fast. He's not overly, um, you know, you know, bring you out of your seat electric with his speed or his dynamics. But he is so elusive and so damn smart. We've seen so many guys, and Brian, you've seen them too. Guys with all the tools and no toolbox. Yep. Well, they, they, they never get anywhere. Yeah, well, that, that's, the, that's one of the biggest differences in, in guys that excel, I think. You, you – you go to the local rinks, especially now you look at all these young kids. I got, I'm coaching 16 year olds. Those guys are almost more skilled, can do things with the puck that I could never do, but get, get people into a game situation and trying to play away from the puck, trying to find opening, trying to get yourself in a position to score a goal. That's the stuff like you can't, I, I, I like analytics. I like all that stuff, but there's something to be said about how you can play this game and what, 
kind of impact you can have yeah. for your teammates, for your line mates, all that stuff that goes so true on uncalculated. It's just, that's what takes you to that next level. It's the best league in the world. It's not easy to be there. And there's a ton of skilled players in this world, but it's uh Oshi. Like I agree, not dynamic yeah. skater, but great yeah. hands and great mind. Yeah. yeah. And a great leader and a great person. Like one of the greatest people I've ever met in, in sports. So um, I'm glad you guys let us talk about TJ because I love him. So well, way to go, Pete. Before we move off TJ Oshi, one quote I remember he, he made after, I think he, what did he score? Four of those shootout goals in the Olympics against Russia, was it, Gio? Uh, I can't remember how many yeah. it was. I think it was like four. He went four times yeah. and scored all of them. Yeah. And then he gets interviewed after and, and the reporter asks him, and this is the biggest, this is one thing I don't like is when, you refer to, you know, athletes as heroes, you know what I mean? Like heroes. He goes, he's, they said to him, what does it feel like to be an American hero? And his response gives me goosebumps, his response. And it was so quick. He said, I'm not a hero. The real hero heroes are wearing camo. You know what I mean? And that boom. And, and to me, that, that was what, that's what put TJ Oshie on my map. It wasn't even the shootout because I hate shootouts. Okay. But when I heard that, I'm just thinking to myself, man, like that's a, that's a character yeah. guy, proud American. Yeah. And uh, you know, that was a quote that I'll never forget. And it actually made yeah. me think like, let's stop calling athletes heroes. They're not yeah. heroes. They have maybe heroic moments in sports, but they're the furthest thing from heroes. Yeah, I you totally know? agree with you. They're Pete. admirable. Totally they're admirable, yeah. but they're. I think not... they're kind of warriors. They're more. They're, they're war. Like the hockey players are warriors in, in a certain aspect. I mean, they they what we have to go through every single day to play to play at that high level to play with that kind of pressure. Um, you know, with the the fierce physicality of what hockey is all about. I mean, only we know you what it's used all to about. Be about. From used to be about. Used to be about you. Know, wait, wait yeah. can I can I get into it? I, I've never had JR on, I don't think, in this kind of setting. So we'll like I I don't know. I was only a couple years into the league and playing for New Jersey. You're in Philly, JR. Like obviously American kid, grew up watching you and wanting to be like you. And when I tell you, I don't know if you'll remember this, but you tried to run me. It was in Philly, tried to run me, and I like <laughs> like Run me from like the uh, yeah sidestepped you. You smashed your face against the glass, myself. and you you myself. you're bleeding, and you came out, and you're like you. <laughs> I'm in the NHL right now. I'm like, oh my god! I, I gave myself a concussion. I think that when, I, I remember. I remember that, Brian. I really Dude, do. And I would have died if you hit me. <laughs> I sidestepped him, and he called me a chicken shit, and he's like, I'm chasing me around the rink. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, Scotty, Stevens, Stevens, where are you? I need you as backup, buddy. 20 years later, I'll apologize, man. But uh, <laughs> I think I need to apologize to a glass a little bit more and your slowness <laughs> and your quickness. So there's, go, there's no need to no need to apologize, man. We we played hard. That's what it's all yeah. about. And then no, your friends afterwards. That's what it is. We did. Amen. Uh, That's right. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So uh, I texted, I texted you, JR. I did a podcast with uh, someone the other day. Geo just reminded me of it. Thankfully, by when you said you tried to try to run them, like, like way to go after the real small guys. Eh? No offense, Geo, but, way oh, to yeah. go. but I went after everybody. I went after everybody. I didn't but didn't, so someone asked me, they said to ask JR next time he's on with you guys, did he run somebody over 
like hammer somebody with a great hit, but there's no hitting in all-star games. Didn't you, yeah. did, who did you run over in the all-star game? And it was very frowned three upon. Times. Three times. So three times in three all-star games. Three different all-star games? Three different all-star games, three different hits, all against the same player. <laughs> Alexi, it was Alexei Z- Zitnik. Remember, uh, yeah. um, remember him? Yeah. I played with yeah. Z. With Z. Yeah. yeah, with Z. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Why him? him? Why him? Because he was there. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> I just was w- really weird. And the first time I hit him was was one thing, but then the next year I, I was like, "Well, there he is again. I'm going to hit him again." And the number of years later, it happened again. But um, and then I got hit really hard from Keith Kachuk in Minnesota. Um, obviously, my my good buddy, so it was more in, ju- in play. But he lined me up uh, right on the blue line and absolutely destroyed me. Um, I wasn't expecting it, obviously, because it was an all-star game. But he gave me back a little bit of my own medicine. But, you know, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And hitting in an all-star game was definitely not um, expected. <laughs> it was Whether it was frowned upon or not. But... Um, I'm always good. I'm always good for doing something a little bit out of the ordinary. Geo, have you seen the video of Jr. going four for four in the accuracy? Yeah, shooting? of course. I mean, I, insane. Like, that was all over Twitter not long ago, and somebody from a Philadelphia account tweeted that out. And then I asked, I, I direct messaged the guy and said, "Hey, you got to send out the video of Jr. losing his shit against the Sabers when he threw the water bottle across at the ref." So he ends up putting that one out too, but. But I just, I love that was a head of hair. That was a head of hair on me. I, I had the, I had the streaks, the blonde streaks. Oh my God. And then I sent that to you and Craig and you're like, that's why they called me styles because he had, he had the tongues out. He had the Jersey tuck. He had the mock turtleneck. Okay. Which is legendary. The mock turtleneck is legendary. I tried to pull it off in the minors. Um, and you had the flowing robe or the flowing, uh, the flowing hair, flowing hair, yeah. the flowing hair bleach. Was it, was it highlighted bleach blonde? It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Just the tips or what? Was it just the tips or was oh, it the whole no, thing? No, it, 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 it was, it was probably three, three quarter length. Do you, it, it was, it, it was at the end where my roots were dark, but everything else was like, yeah. like bleach blonde. Did, do you practice for that uh, competition before you enter it or like, or how, how are the, in the all-star games, how are the skill, Gio, were you in an all-star game? No. It had to have been the year you scored 48. No, it was Olympic year. So, okay. All right. You, did you go you so, went to the Olympics that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's probably better than the all-star game. But so JR, how do they select who goes in what event in the all-star games? You know, I think just obviously, you know, what, what your characteristics are when you play, right? Um, you have your guys that you know are really fast. That's why Mike Gartner was there, you know, you know why he did it all the time, why Connor McDavid does it, why, um, you know, Ray Bork was always, a, was always a dynamite shooter from the point. Messier was always a dynamite shooter. I think maybe only four, three or four of us um, ever have done four for four. Um, Bork did it twice. I did it twice. Uh, oh, you did it, it twice. Once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, listen, I was a shooter. You know, you don't score 500 and something goals without being a shooter. Right? You know, I, yep. accuracy was one of my was one of my traits. And um, I didn't have the hardest shot, but it was accurate. So, and, and, you know, it's just and, you know, they ask you, they ask you my first all-star game. They asked me what I wanted to be in because at that time they didn't really know me as well. but. Um, 
at 20, 20 years old, 21. So, but it just, it just boiled up to that way. And it's hard to do, man, especially nowadays, they've kind of changed the, uh, the rules. It's a, it's a lot different, uh, shooting accuracy competition now, but, um, very do you like, do. do you like, like, do you like the all-star game? Do you like the way it's done now? Did you think it was do, better actually. back then? No, I actually like it. Um, you know, it is, uh, you know, the three on three is more exciting, a lot more goals. Uh, you get to see more dynamic plays. Uh, I think it was getting to be five on five guys really just didn't give a shit. They didn't work hard. They didn't do anything. It was, it was really, um, it was, it was getting to be, um, pretty much a, a day off for, for all 750 guys, not just the guys, you know, that were in the all-star game. And you know, people still pay money to go watch these games. And, it, and, you know, it pisses me off to see guys go half-ass and really don't even give a shit like they did, you know, later in the in the five-on-five. But I, I like the three-on-three. Three. I like the, the idea. I like the premise. I like the two periods. Get her done and get out of there. Let me ask you this one more question. Sorry, Gio. I just I have this one more question. I'm just hanging out here. Don't worry. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, we're talking to the All-Star, Gio. I'm joking. No, I'm Gio, joking, you, know, you, would, you know, if it wasn't Olympic year, you know, you would have been in the All-Star game. Um, how how – how many guys were hungover or drunk Lots. come puck drop? Uh, hungover, yes. Um, I, I'm the only one that I can remember uh, drinking drinking beer between periods in Toronto. Yeah, in between periods, I went and I threw about, threw down two or three Molson Canadians in between in between periods. Everybody's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm having a beer. It's fucking all star game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a celebration time, man. This is our, this is our break, yeah. right?" But I went on there and I played hard. I worked hard. I think I hit shit in that. that, that <laughs> so maybe yeah. it was an accidental hit. So you yeah. mentioned Connor McDavid, and I think we got to talk about what's going on with the Oilers. I mean, it's it's crazy how they had this unbelievable start. Tippett had an interview. I hate to put a date on this uh, on the day that we're recording this, but last night they lost to the Rangers and he had a very honest, he, you know, goaltending wasn't very good. You know, mistakes were bad. Guys took bad penalties. Um, you know, so I don't know if he's just airing it all out there to try to save his life, but I mean, eventually there will be a coaching change, but how's Connor McDavid feeling? You guys were star players on your team. How's Connor McDavid? Gee, I'll start with you. How's Connor McDavid feeling? Uh, I mean, I hate to put aside Leon Dreisaitl too, because he's a huge part of that. But Connor McDavid is the face of the league. Well, I mean, it, listen, these guys want to win, and you, you get to a point. I, I, I'll use uh, Ovi as an example, right? Like scoring goals, dominating the league, uh, being a huge star in this league but it still doesn't fulfill the winning. Like you want to win. You're a competitor. You're in the game. You want to win. And you want to be on a team that's going to compete and going to win. And I think Ovi realized that, that, hey, it's it's not about me scoring 50 every year, even though he does, but it's about me winning. And what what can I do to help the team win? And unfortunately, if it falls on the star players because they're the face. But Dreisaitl, McDavid, they're pissed off. They're trying to find answers. Uh, they carry that team a lot of the time and it, it becomes extremely hard. Now throw in that you're in a Canadian market. You know what I mean? On top of that, you are going to be so scrutinized no matter what happens, no matter what is going on and you need to find a way to win. So that added pressure just continues to build and it becomes a drag in the room. And it's not, it's not that like O'Reilly had said, where, where you lose the, the fun of the game it's 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 not that 
it becomes just such a chore to go to the rink and try to find answers and try to find ways to get back in the winning uh, win column that it becomes a constant drag mentally and physically every day to go to the rink. And it's, it's extremely hard for those guys to do it day in and day out and now do it in Edmonton. It just, expectations. and Gio, you're exactly right. The expectations, because that is a championship city. I mean, Gretzky, Messier, Curry, uh, all those guys made that a championship city. So they want that to return with the best player probably ever to play the game, at least the most talented player with McDavid. But I, if I'm McDavid or I'm Dreisaitl, I'm losing my shit. I am fucking so mad. I'm screaming in that locker room. I'm yelling at the, my entire team saying, what the fuck, guys? How many more games does Leon and I have to score every single game? Like, they were well, they're, the stat, the but just of the, season. the stat is like every time they're not on the ice, the team's outscored two to one. Well, which is what, which is why I'm saying. Listen, it's there comes a point when you, doesn't matter how good you are, two players aren't going to carry a team all year. You can't. You need everybody pulling their weight, and this team has a terrible reputation of not supporting their top players. I don't know where where Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins went. That guy is. His, he, he's as useful as, as tit, tits on a bowl. Okay. He's just awful <laughs> right now. You know, the, there, there's nobody that is supporting those two guys game in game out to allow them to win hockey games. And you no, know, is that the coach's fault? Is that, is that, is that Tippett's fault to not get them motivated to play the right way or to take accountability? I don't know. That's, that's for, that's for the management, but D- do you think there's a certain level of that the guys in that room look and they like, yeah, we got Connor sitting over there. We got dry sidle. They'll handle it. it. Seems that way. I can sit, I can sit, way. I can sit back and watch this. I'll have a nice view from the bench. I can go out and give my 10 minutes and yeah. they're going to win us the game. You know, it goes to show you, it goes to show you again, what we talked about before about being a smart player and having all the tools. It, I, this is another aspect like superstars are superstars for a reason because they show up every single game. Connor McDavid shows up every single game. Leon Dreisaitl shows up every single game. And I don't know what these kids are doing or what these players are doing watching and not following. They always say, you don't have to be a good leader. You don't have to lead. But if you're not a leader, you better be a good follower. And Edmonton has terrible followers. Terrible. I remember, I'm going to tell you guys a story when I was working for that other uh, that other network um, uh, that used to used to do the National Hockey League, um, and uh, and I was watching Edmonton play Detroit, and I think we talked about this, PD, at one point. It was the worst hockey game I have ever seen play by an NHL team. The, the Edmonton Oilers were so bad. Detroit was the last place team in the league. This is about three years ago. Last place team in the league, Detroit, and Detroit was beating them like three or four one going into the third period after the second period. I mean, it was not, it might've been four, nothing. It was the worst performance I've ever seen. It's a waste of my time. I flew to New York to go, you know, away from my family to go on television, to watch this game and report in this game. And it, it was the worst three hours I've ever seen watching a sporting event. And it was a waste of my time. So I ripped them on television. I ripped them something fierce. 
The next week was All-Star Game in St. Louis. And I'm sitting on the red carpet getting ready to do interviews with everybody coming down. And I remember Connor McDavid coming down with the player services guy um, for Edmonton. And I don't even know what his name is, and I don't give a shit anymore. But he looked at me. This is the player services guy, the player guy, you know, who escorts the the, t- the players to the All-Star Game and make sure they get everywhere. He came up to me, Connor McDavid's right behind him, and he goes, JR, I got to say, you were really unfair with our team on television tonight. That was really unfair what you said. I said, you know what's unfair? Is that I had to sit through that bullshit <laughs> of watching a pro team play a hockey game and waste three hours of my time. That's what's bullshit. And I said, if you don't want me to talk bad about your team, or why don't you tell your team to wake the fuck up and start playing hockey the way it's supposed to be played and have a little bit of a pride in your city and the team that you play for and start working hard so you start winning, so you start having other people say the right things. Because you know what? I'm the one that said it. You know how many other millions of people were thinking it? I just happened to say it. And if you don't like what I said, that's tough shit. Because that guy right behind you, and I pointed to Conor McDavid, I feel bad for that guy. I feel bad for him. You should apologize to him (laughs) for the way that the team plays for him. And I said, Conor, I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. But your team sucks and i hope you get out of it and i said sorry and this is a player services guy i said you don't like it move to another team deal with it because that's what you're dealing with right now i was so i was so pissed but it was so did did you end up getting an interview with uh mcdavid nope nope (laughs) Nope. hard to believe he didn't want to stop and chat for (laughs) for a little bit yeah so what definitely definitely missed out on that one well, let me ask you guys something, and I'm going to continue to ask this question until they start winning regularly. Now, granted, they could get back in the winning way, and they could make a run. Lately, we've seen teams go through these lulls, and and sometimes it's best that they have these lulls now than down the road. But the point the is, dog days. That, it is still, it is still the dog days of the NHL. So, you know, so I mean, I, I'll, I'll give a little bit of leniency toward that. But let's just say, let's just say, yeah, but Petey, this team, the Edmonton Oilers, can't afford to have these down periods after the number of years that they have sucked and had so many number one picks. Yeah, this team can't afford that. I I still think that they're fragile. You know what I mean? They're mentally fragile as an organization, just like the Sabres, right? Like one bad thing snowballs into a disaster because losing has been there for so long that it's so hard to get that out of your room. So hard. Yeah. Well, you and know what's so, like, yeah. you, you, you have stretches, you, you have stretches where you get out of it and you're, you're, you're amazing. But the default when it's been that way for so long is when things go wrong, it's not, okay, dig in. We're going to get through this. It's like, Oh shit, here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. And then they're, and then they're only leaning on two players to try to get yeah. out of it. man. It's such a great point, Brian. It's such a great point. I was talking with um, somebody who was involved in the Phoenix, um, the Arizona organization, and they were talking about uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. And he's, he was there his entire career, the captain of the team. And probably the last two years, he was God awful. I mean, he was just a, a shell of himself, of a defenseman. And I said, what's his problem? And you know what the, you know what the guy said to me? He said, he has been, he's gotten used to losing. He's gotten accustomed to losing. And when you get accustomed to losing, you don't get pissed off anymore. Yeah. And 
I think you're exactly right. That was a, that's a great point by you. It might be in Edmonton, it's in Buffalo, it's definitely in, in Arizona. Um, it's a hard thing to get out of, man. It's a hard it's, thing to get out of. It's real hard. And it, like you said, it's, I, I touched on it earlier. You go through so many emotions trying to fix it early on, right? So Larson it probably went through the gamut. Okay, I got to be a good teammate. I got to pump my teammates up today. And then the next day you come back, you're like, I got to lay into someone. I got to be pissed off. I got to be in hard on someone. And eventually it just becomes like there is no answer for me to help out. And so now I just come in and play the game. I'm not having fun anymore. I just come and do what I'm supposed to do. And it, and it affects your performance. It affects the team mentality. It affects everything involved in it. Like, it, and it lasts for too long. It lasts for, yeah. for too long. So, so this is our mentality. And I'm sure you've, you've seen it because you played in Jersey. Uh, be, you, you know what it's like to be on a team that is expected to win. Um, Petey, I don't know if that's a, that's the case with you in Buffalo, but I, I'll fuck. I'll, we, I'll, only I'll, pre- we only want a we only we only want a president's trophy, Jr. And we schlocked Philly when you were on it like a shit house yeah, toilet seat. I, so don't you hey, tell listen, me. I, listen, what's 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 a show without giving you a little fucking ribbing? Well, yeah. anyway, um, shit. Now I forgot what I was. was you were saying oh, yeah. about you so, were saying no, about playing in Jersey so, and being expected to win. No, so this so. We were always kind of taught if if you're not winning and you're not scoring goals or things aren't going right, make it difficult. Like, do make it the game uncomfortable. Work harder. Play more physical. Be pains in the asses. Don't just go out there and try to do the same thing if it's not working and lose again. Sometimes you have to make it make the game harder for the other team by a being angrier, more physical, more intense, maybe, maybe better defensively. Uh, look what Pittsburgh's doing this year, but don't just go out there and go through the same motions again. You have to change your mentality sometimes. And when you change that mentality and you maybe do something different to make it harder on another team, Sometimes it clicks and it changes and the momentum changes. But I see too many teams just go on and just do the same thing every day and they don't get pissed off and they don't make the game harder for their opponents. And what are their opponents going to fear? They're like, we're going to beat these guys. They're fucking fragile. Yeah. I, I saw it on both ends, Jerry. I saw it with New Jersey, uh, Montreal. We had great teams that went to the conference finals. So, and I also saw it on Buffalo. Like it, it's such an extreme that, Good teams know whether it's within the game, whether it's in the weekly stretch, the two week stretch where you don't have it. it it's it's natural. You're just not going to have it. You're not going to be able to walk through everyone. You're not going to be able to make clean passes all the time. You're not going to get clean looks and you have to dumb the game down and it, it, it becomes ugly. It becomes boring, but that's how you get yourself out of the rut and stop the momentum going the wrong way. And the quicker you can do that, as a team, then you bounce back, whether it's in a game and you just don't have it for that 10, 15 minutes or you have a shitty second period. How do you stop that? Yeah, you don't keep dangling at the players. blue line. Yeah. You, 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 you make it hard. Think about it? But do you think these players think about it these days? I think they make so much money that they leave the rink and it's gone. They, just, I, I, they, they totally forget about it. And they don't. I, I think don't know it's if this is as important. I think it's that. that. I think it's that for sure. Um, but I also think it's just 
the skill set on them that their default, the way they've been taught is their skill is going to take over the game. And that's not what in a pinch when things aren't going good. I don't know. Maybe I'm old school that way that, you know, it's, it's not always just about the skill set. I didn't have, I was shorter. I, I, I could skate. I had different tools, um, good hands around the net, but like it, I had to find ways to, to create space for myself. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think they know how to do that. I don't think that they think the game, the whole game, I think they just think skill set. If I can dangle around this two guys and get a shot on net, I'm doing what I need to for my team. I don't, I don't know. Isn't this kind of what John Tortorella was talking about when he said about McDavid and, and not being able to score and put up points throughout the whole playoffs where, you know, you talk about changing your game and doing the little things that it takes to win and not, I mean, maybe you guys, but you don't do that, but you don't say that about Connor McDavid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair point. Let me, let me, you, you might you might do it with some, with somebody else, right? But you know, not not Connor McDavid. Okay, okay. You know, I'll tell you, you know. just just on what you're talking about, uh, Jr. About um, maybe you know, Zach Hyman. You could talk about that. I mean, <laughs> Zach you know. Hyman, yeah. When I was in Jersey, I played one year in New Jersey, and I came from Buffalo. And I've always said, and I, I just said it recently in another podcast. I said. If I had spent five years, if I was lucky enough to make New Jersey with Lou Lamorello and spend five years there and then go to another team, I would have played another five or six, not just one more. I didn't realize how un- unprepared I was for real professionalism uh, until I got to New Jersey. So we had won nine games in a row in New Jersey, and then we lost the 10th. And I came to the rink, and I think we lost the 10th game by maybe a goal, and I think it might have been in Toronto even. And I come to the rink the next day and you know, I'm, I'm a, a loosey goosey guy. I always want to mm-hmm. be in a good mood and I'm like cheery. Right. And Colin white geo, you know, him comes up, he goes, we don't do that here. We don't laugh. We lost. I go, fuck. We, we were nine and one in our last 10 games. Like, like there's no music on. I swear somebody died on the way to the rink. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That's what the mood was like. And I'm, he's like, we don't do that here that's that's minor league shit and like and i'm just kind of like are, are you are you you're serious he's like yeah i'm serious and i was and that's when i kind of realized i was like man we really think different well we don't i'm supposed yeah, there's to a, there's a time and a place right there's a time yeah. and a place there's a time and a place right there's but it just place. goes I, to show you one way, game I, out of ten i didn't I didn't know the time and the place most of my career, so I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I, I used to dance. I used to put a disco ball in the, in the locker room at Philly, turn the lights off, and put a strobe light on the disco ball, and have, have Todd Fedorik get his stick and pretend he was playing the bass. I used to used to sing disco, uh, you know, Saturday Night Fever. On, at what point? Like before a game? Yeah, right before the meeting. Like at, at 5.15, right before the 5.30 meeting, and one day, Ed Schneider, the owner of the team, is walking through the locker room and comes by the locker room and sees the lights off and the strobe light going around. Ooh, and sees Fridge over there going, boom, 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 boom. And I'm doing the dance, doing a little dance. And I'm all over the place. And, and Ed Schneider sneaks into the room and walks behind the door and sits on the chair, on the, on the bench in the locker room and watches me. We didn't see him come in. And we turned the lights back on, and there's Mr. Schneider, the owner of the team. And Fridge is like, oh, shit. And he goes, guys, 
I hope you have this much energy on the ice tonight. He goes, good performance. And he walks out. <laughs> Fridge goes, I'm getting sent down. I'm, I'm getting sent down to the minors for sure. I'm going to get sent down to the minors. I had a goal and two assists. Fridge had three fights that game. We won like 5-2. I said, see, Fridge, we're good, man. There's no problems. He goes, oh, man, that was – I had to fight. I was guilty. I was – the owner was going to send me down because I was playing the base. I'm never doing that again, JR. Next game. <laughs> you know what? On that note, and then I want to talk about the the Rangers, who I think have the f- number one candidate for GM of the year. Tell me about the dance you did in that exhibition game in, in Vegas. Was that kind of – was that spun – you were over-checking on the glass. Yeah, and, well, and the, then, the glass broke. It was in Vegas, right? And it was at yeah. the MGM Grand, and it was a terrible arena. It was old and decrepit, and the, the glass was old. And the glass broke. And they, they were having trouble fixing it, whether they didn't have a replacement piece of glass or they couldn't fit a new piece of glass into the dasher. It was taking like 15, 20 minutes. Everybody was getting restless. So I went over there. I'm like, boys, let's come on. Let's get it going. It's like, we're trying. And, you know, um, the Bee Gees came on. You should be dancing. And I love disco, man. I just, it's in, I, I love music. It sounds like it. So I'll, I'll, I just start moving a little bit on the ice while I'm watching the guys fix it. Still, everybody's kind of meandering. And there was two people, there was two people in the stands, a guy and a girl, that and they started dancing with me, right? In front of me, because I was moving and they they were started dancing with me. So I started dancing more than another pe- couple of people started dancing with me. So I'm like, hell, let's just dance because nobody else is happening. It's nothing else is going on. It's uh it's a preseason game. We're in Vegas. It's the entertain one of the entertainment capitals of the world, right? So I start dancing, screwed. I turned around, went to center ice, dancing, and, you know, right right in front of Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick laughed his ass off, thought it was one of the funniest things he's ever seen. And, uh, by the way, nobody else will ever do this ever again. But um, it was almost a view out of slap shot, but but I kept my my gear on. Um, But, you know, what was really crazy is is I got so much shit – from uh, from my GM after the season was over, he was like, "That was the most embarrassing thing that I've ever seen." I'm like, "I don't give a shit what you thought if it was embarrassing or not. That wasn't you on the ice." He's because he was all you know, the old mentality, right? No smiling, no fun, no. Who was it? Who was the GM? Um, is it Lombard? Lombard? Um, what's his name? He was that influential on you? Eh? Uh, you know what I should? It's concussions, man. It's my concussions. <laughs> what year was that? I'm going to look him up right now. It was, it was uh, me it was jumping out of the way, JR, on that hit. Since your memory to shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was uh, 2006. So, All right, I'm going to look that up right now. Um, Dean Lombardi. Yeah. Dean Lombardi. Dean, Dean Lombardi. Yes, yeah. Dean Lombardi. Yeah. And I love Dean. Dean's a great friend of mine. Always has been since I was a little kid. But he was just very disappointed with me. And uh, listen, I didn't lose any sleep. I thought it was great. He's um, Lou like, isn't he? I think Dean was like Lou Lamorello ish, right? Yes, like, very, like it was very, a, that was yes. his like mentor or whatever. So, yeah, 100%. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, um, very much like that. Yeah. So, we, we talked about the Oilers losing to the Rangers. And, you know, I, I look at where the Rangers are in the standings right now. They didn't make a ton of moves, but they brought in Sammy Blaze. Uh, Ryan Reeves and uh, is it Blake Coleman they brought in uh, mm-hmm. from Tampa Bay? Is this is Chris Drury uh, general manager of the year right now with the turnaround that the Rangers are having? I I, I think you got to think about it for sure. I mean, nobody looks at the Rangers as um, as Stanley Cup contenders yet. 
game in and game out, they put up points. They put you know the puck in the net. They're a fun team to watch. I mean, Panarin is you know arguably one of the most fun players to watch in the National Hockey League. Zibanejad is, is Barclay Goudreau, not yeah. Blake Coleman. Wrong Tampa Bay player. Yeah. Sorry, my my yeah. concussions. Too. Um, you know, Zibanejad is is a lot of fun to watch. I think um, uh, you know they they are. I, I would have to think. I would have to think. You got to you got to put him in the running for that for sure. Um, and I love Chris Drury. You want to talk about one of the smartest guys, hockey minds that are out there? Uh, Chris Drury knows the game. You know, same as Billy Garrett in Minnesota. They've, those two have changed their team. There's more another than anybody, one too because no one put yeah. much stock in uh, Minnesota this year, having having a good no. year. No, they again getting getting uh, getting that kid Kaprizov signed and in that lineup again um, just just gives that team so much a different look. What a great player! What a great team! Fun team well, I, to watch. I, I, I think I think the Rangers go underrated with uh, Gallant. I think the hire of Gallant. I love him. Great point. Uh, Great point. I had him in Montreal as an assistant coach. He was one of the best coaches I've ever had. And you see what he did in Vegas and whatnot. It was, it's him, man. Like I, I love him. I think he's a huge piece to that, that Ranger team. And, and no, no disrespect to the players I, because they're going out doing this stuff. I I'm well aware of the coach's role, but it, I think he's just an awesome guy to have at the helm over there. They, they say, they, they say that he's a great, young players coach that he's great for young players. He gives yep. them a lot of confidence and makes them feel good about themselves. That's a, that's a good, good quality to have, especially with how young some of these players are in this league. I love, I love Gallant. He's such a great guy. He, he deserves, I mean, I thought he got unfairly fired a couple of times, but I'm glad to see he's really doing well. It's a great point by you in yep. New York. Great point. A lot of, a lot of love for the Americans on here today, but I got to just throw one more in there. How about uh, Chris Kreider, 20 goals already? Awesome. Boy, that guy last two years has changed his whole mentality on the ice. That guy has taken, uh, a, and he doesn't get the he doesn't get the accolades that he should. But here's a guy who um, a couple years ago was did nothing for me, and was you know almost almost again that all the all the tools no toolbox. But <laughs> yeah, he found his toolbox. Yeah, and he, I was going to say that, Jr. I was going to say yeah. that he's a BC kid too, BC grad, or I don't know if he grad, but BC kid. And that uh, I'll I'll uh, forever be a little disappointed because he ran Price in the conference he finals. He doing blade first. Yeah, I yeah, heard Price. Crazy. That was our chance to win a cup in Montreal for sure. We had a team that you could. Think that was, you think that was? You think that was on purpose? <sighs> Knowing, listen, I don't know him. I've met him a few times. I don't know him well enough to know, but I, I've heard he's not the sharpest. Of, of, no. of guys not, right so so it, it could have just yeah it could have it just been that he was out of control and, and like you you were saying like it, he's someone that's finally putting it together he was probably just out of control young in yeah. the league just going hard to the net and hey, yeah, yeah, you know like yeah. and took him out like so i i think he has changed the game i think he's added mm-hmm. some of that smarts to it uh and it's paying off for him for sure but yeah, yeah that's uh, awesome yeah i agree with you yeah he's definitely it definitely has changed his game and is more consistent now. Consistency is what's made him that much better, for sure. 
Um, off topic here, and, <clears throat> and probably be our, our our last topic of discussion today, unless Jr. There's something you wanna you wanna go on a roll about, but because we got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of feedback on our uh, our last episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, isn't that wasn't that funny? Listening to somebody, did you see some of my return comments oh, yeah. on Twitter? Oh huh? yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I I couldn't, you know what? It was like here are people that don't normally get <laughs> responses from guys like Jr. and Jr. is just lighting them up. Like oh. Anyway. I lit up i lit up a couple of those people i hope i hope i hope for christmas you get a box of tissues and a teddy bear <laughs> merry christmas oh can i say that to you yeah see you later yeah, yeah well I, you oh know I mean, we, we we feel free to comment on the on the uh video that i threw out the other day but but on another note um antonio brown i know you follow all sports i know you follow football i know you probably yeah. saw what happened i mean mm-hmm. when you come to hear about what happened with antonio brown and how you know arians told him to get back in the game and he had been hurt and basically said you know if you're not going to play get the fuck out of here um and he goes and he he doesn't help matters by the antics afterwards and i'm concerned about his well-being yeah. mentally yeah but me too. for me the conversation is now that we know all that is isn't the isn't the story of sending players back in or expecting players to play hurt? I know you guys probably did it a ton, but aren't we starting or trying to get away from that a little bit uh, in sports? And is is this a bad look for Tampa Bay and I guess sports in general when we're telling players whether it's a concussion, whether it's an ankle injury, or anything else in mm-hmm. between to get back in and play? I'll let you, I'll let Brian start this one. I'll, I'll come in after. I, I mean, it, it's hard, right? Like it's, it's so new PD. I think more has to come out, but yes, I, I think where it's gone uh, in, in, in the recognition of injuries for players and, and listen, we all dealt with it, right? Like I, I took a puck to the face, nine facial fractures, ended up having four plates and, and screws in my face. And I came down to morning skate the day after that happened and Pat Burns was like, you, you ready to go face is swollen out to here. Like it's a back-to-back game. So I think all that is great for the athlete, for the person, especially for after sport. Right now, with that being said, Antonio Brown, if, if he's, he's clearly had some issues, he's clearly hopefully uh, not too far mentally uh gone in the sense that he's he's too unhealthy mentally if he has spun this that and turned it back on the team that he really had an injury and it wasn't then that's on him if he had an injury he was missing stuff he was out he was not expected to play or he gave the expectation that he was not ready to go then it's completely on the tampa bay bucks like they, you can't force a guy to go into. Well, a Ian game Rappaport, when he's Ian Rappaport yeah. did say that he hadn't, he hadn't, he was even questionable for the game. So then, then that, then that, yeah, it, it's on the. It needs to be. It I shouldn't be done on the sidelines. Yeah. That needs to be done before Correct. the game in the locker room. Yeah. That needs to be. Are you ready to go? If you're not ready yeah. to go, don't dress. If you're not ready yeah. to go, don't come on the sideline. Don't dress. You're just like every everyone else, right? So yeah. that's that's hurt. That had yeah. to have happened before, not mid game. I, I totally agree with you, and I totally, I totally think that they mishandled it all the way around. And I think a lot of what's happening in pro sports is a lot of injuries are being mishandled. We saw what happened with Jack Eichel; it's cost him a whole year. Um, it's different nowadays. 
a lot of these guys are making millions of dollars. There's a lot of pressure. Um, if they're not, if they don't feel ready to go and they're, and they're very adamant about not playing, I can see the snappage happening and the pressure of having to play. And my only issue is, is the way that Antonio Brown decides and makes his decisions to, to show his, his opinions is 100% um, a problem and is concerning uh, whether it's his personal life sitting in front of his house, yelling at cops and yelling at his, his baby mamas and, and saying obscene things and causing a stir. Um, whether it's leaving a team on the sidelines, this, these decisions lead to something more mentally. Now, this guy's had nine lives. He's had more lives than anybody I can remember in football. And there's no gratitude in this man. There's no gratitude. There's no gratitude in thinking what Tom Brady has done to support this man on two different teams. And he only thinks about himself. And when he walked off and he did that at, right in front of everybody, he only thought of himself. He didn't think of all the second chances that he's gotten. Now, is that a mental condition? Is this, is this one of these mental or does he just have that big of an ego and he thinks he's so fucking great that that maybe, you know, he is the gremlin. He thinks he is or he is God in his own mind. Um, but that, again, I think is, a, is, is, is another mental illness that I think that he, he deals with. And it's maybe a different kind of mental illness, but that was totally unfair of the Bucks to the Bucks to Tom Brady, to the fans of Tampa. It didn't need to happen, and um, I think I think both parties should take a little bit of responsibility for that. More Antonio Brown, but Brian, you're exactly right. That issue should have been dealt with in the locker room and not put into that situation, especially knowing the Bucks were going to the playoffs anyway. It wasn't a, a, a make or break game for them to go to the playoffs, I don't believe. So why why even risk it? Apparently, he left like a million bucks on the table in bonuses that were very. Very achievable in the in the next. Oh, he doesn't care. He's he's a rapper now. He's got his own rap songs. I get his own label. He's got his own label. Yeah, doesn't but, he? I, yeah. but he didn't he didn't pay his chef, and that's who outed him about the vaccine, the fake <laughs> vaccination card. That's the other thing you left out, the fake vaccination card. And it, if you recall, when he was leaving Pittsburgh, I think the Bills were trying to trade for him, and then he went on like social media and was like, like I'm or said something like I'm not going to Buffalo, or the rumors aren't true. And then in hard knocks, he had the whole issue where remember where he burnt his feet on like the cryo chamber or something like that. He, his feet were all like peeling apart. And, and then the last thing he did was, and then before that he had, he was putting up the fight about the helmet. Do you remember the helmet situation that he had when he was with the, uh, with the Raiders? Anyway, it, it just, it's, it's just too much. It's just too much. You know, I mean, there, there comes a point when, when you're, you're going to be out of lives um, and you're going to be out of opportunities. And the fact that he just doesn't have any gratitude towards these second chances that he has and he does something of that nature, it bothers me. By the way, didn't surprise me, but it, I think it bothered me. I think it bothered a lot of people. But I do hope if he does have mental, mental, um, mental problems and mental illness that he tries to address it, or at least somebody helps him try to address it because I will never um, deny mental illness and ever, ever again. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, 
in in regard to that, and I'll I'll end it at this unless Gio wants to add something. He needs to want to have help, but it's whether or not he has the mental capacity to know that he needs help. That's the part that scares me the most is that, you know, so many times, you know, like we had Ryan Leaf on one of our last episodes and he said, like, from the standpoint of even John Elway called him. John Elway called him, and I remember saying, well, what, what, what did he say? How come John Elway couldn't get through to you? Like, John Elway, he said, nobody could have got through to me. I, was, I wasn't interested in hearing what anybody else had to say. I thought I had all the answers. I thought I knew everything. And that's basically as simple as that. So I don't even know if Antonio Brown has the mental capacity to be able to recognize that he has an issue going on. He might think that what he's doing is, is totally normal. I, I don't know. But what I do know way, is, by the way, I, I would, I would, I, I would not bet against what you just said. I would bet with you on that one. Yeah, for sure. Does you he get another? Before. Does he you get said another? Before, Petey, unless someone's ready for the help, they're not getting it. So that's right. Yeah, well, it's, it's on the it's on the person. Yeah, but, so. but see, that's the thing. That's the thing is Tom Brady dragged him to help. Tom Brady dragged Antonio Brown and put him in his house. You know, put a roof over his head, gave him a team to play for. Um, you know, supported him, supported him. Like, how, how's Tom Brady? How does Tom Brady feel watching that happen? I mean, I I would think that the disappointment in him is, or at least the concern, would be off the charts. Yeah. You know? Well, so. I'll tell you what. I look forward to next week. Anything else to add, Gio? You got anything? anything I got else? nothing, buddy. It was nice to be on with Jr. Well, then you yeah, have to come well, on. Thanks, well, man. Thanks, you have to Gio. come on with us next it's week. Awesome. Well, you you keep us separated, right? Like I, I have best, I have this show American, without one of the best American captains of all time, right? Yeah, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Was, yeah, absolutely. We got a we had a treat today. Next week we got Riv back with a bum knee and COVID. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Thanks, Jr. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle. And at Greg Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.